Hello, and welcome to Keeping Innovation Alive, hosted by Bill Nottingham. Sit back and dive in with us as we speak with corporate innovators and founders that are driven to keep innovation alive. Growing up as a kid, Willy Wonka was one of my favorite movies. Now, imagine leading innovation with brands like M&M's at the largest candy company in the world, Mars. My next guest, Hank Izzo, has a PhD in food science and held several positions at Mars as general manager, chief marketing officer, and VP of innovation. Since retiring from Mars in 2021, he's been advising, investing, and founding his own startups through his company, Bright Greens, focused on the future of food technology, one of the most exciting areas of innovation today. Hank, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, Phil. Thanks for having me. And you know what? Thanks for doing this. Um, you know how much I love innovation. And actually, we go way back working together on different projects. Um, and uh, I think it's there's always something to talk about when you're talking about innovation. No, certainly. And, and you know, it's interesting. You've held several positions at Mars. Can you give us a look into what it was like to work there? Yeah, I would say um, probably first is to step back. Um, you know, one of the things that I loved about uh, working at Mars and I was there for 23 years. So, um, but one of the things I loved the most was just the entrepreneurial spirit that the owners brought to the business. And if you went back in history, you know, and it kind of like all started with, you know, Frank and Ethel Mars starting their company out of their kitchen in Tacoma, Washington in 1911, basically making buttercream candies by hand. And I'm sure there's a lot of food entrepreneurs out there that are doing that kind of thing today. Um, to Forrest Sr., who was their son, you know, basically, you know, taking the formula for a Milky Way and going a- around the world and actually starting to scale the business to then the kids uh, that he had, John, Jackie, and Forrest, who, uh, but these people were, were innovators. Um, and actually, they built a massive business. And I would say, you know, if I were to look back and, you know, the things that actually probably shaped me the most as a an innovator, a business person uh, were, you know, really some of the interactions I had with them, um, just listening to the stories of how things were developed, how businesses were launched, how businesses failed and what they learned about it. And honestly, I was blessed to, to listen and interact, uh, you know, uh, to these folks. And in fact, I would say one of the ideas that I probably learned the most out of and had the most fun, uh, both spectating and being involved in, uh, was a little bit earlier in my career at Mars when we launched the personalized M&M business, um, which you know most people will know as my M&Ms, which you had actually pointed out uh, there. And actually, it was it was interesting because every step of the journey. Uh, you could go back and write sort of a, a summary of how this all worked. And I remember talking at different um, conferences and stuff like that. And I like to use this example only because it really was uh, sort of an education on innovation and sort of like the, the things you have to overcome and uh, probably the cocktail for a degree of success, which actually, you know, I saw in this, but um you know, I always like to say that, you know, the, in, the intersection of insight and invention is really innovation. And people are always out there inventing things, especially, you know, from the businesses that you've been involved in, Bill, you know, working with engineers and designers kind of coming up with like some kind of like wacky, crazy solutions and stuff like that. 
you know, engineers are like their own breed. I actually have two of my sons are engineers and believe me, they're their own breed as well. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, engineers are given a problem and they want to solve a problem. And actually this whole idea was interesting because it shows you how ideas can actually come from anywhere, even when you're not really working on that specific need or something like this. So we actually used to get on M&Ms, we would get consumer complaints um, and the consumers would come back and they would tell us like, hey, the M on the M&M is not clear enough or this one's missing an M or this one looks like an N instead of an M. Uh, we had a project that basically said, hey, we need to like print a more consistent and readable M on an M&M because as any brand guy will tell you, you know, that's actually part of the, the brand identity of, of an m M&M. It's got to have an M&M, right? So we had an engineer who, um, you know, who was a typical engineer, meaning that always wanted to solve a problem, actually diving deep into it. And this guy actually printed a great M on an m M&M. I remember he was showing it around in R&D, taking it up to the marketing guys. And just for fun, he decided to print somebody's name on an M&M and actually say, look, I could actually do something like this. And some people were like, that is unbelievable. I wonder what we could do with that. And some people were like, well, that's great, but you know, only an M can be on an M&M. It's sacrilege to put anything else but an M on an M&M. And um, you know, the people who actually sort of like saw this started discussing, hey, could we actually like personalize M&Ms? Could we actually like put people's names? Could we put happy birthday on an M&M? What, what could we do with this, right? So that's where sort of like the idea was born um, because, you know, the fundamental insight around everybody wanting to celebrate um, in a different way, that's a lot more personalized and special to them. It's been going on for years. You get a cake for your kid, the name's on the cake, right? Um, I think the next one was sort of like that we saw was, you know, there was definitely a barrier to getting people interested. Some people were interested, some people were not interested. It was clear that the marketing guys were actually not that interested. And I can say that because I was, uh, I was a you know, chief marketing officer for Mars for actually two terms uh, at Mars. And you know what, like they were, there's a discipline around marketing, a dis- discipline around consistency and what you do and how you do it. Um, but they were actually not that interested, but the CEO was, and actually he was so much so interested uh, to get buy-in for the project team at a high level. They actually um, did something that I, I kind of call an artifact. Um, you know, the president uh, had the leadership team. So it was basically the president and all the vice presidents at the time actually signed a hundred day challenge uh, to commercialize this technology and this idea. And they hung it in the hallway and where everybody would go down to the cafeteria because people knew people that were working on something like this. And they hung it out there as a commitment that they would do whatever it took to remove the barriers for this team to commercialize. And actually, I think that was a uh, probably a pivot point for this project moving forward. And again, I think what it shows you is you got to get buy-in at the highest level and you got to hold your highest level leaders accountable, even if they're not working on the project to help projects along. And so many times it's just a decision of I'm passionate about innovation. I have a mindset that's different. And, you know, like big, big companies out there, if they want to actually make big, bold changes, 
they have to bring leaders in that are actually bought into innovation. Um, And that's just the way it works. So getting people to buy it at the highest level, holding them accountable. And actually the way you do this is sort of like the, the point that I saw as we were going through the process is you have to prototype. A prototype is everything where you can show something to someone other than talking to them in an elevator about an idea. Cause when I, I verbalize and I know Bill, you and I work together on a, a number of different projects. When, when you guys would prototype an idea and we'd be able to like take it and look at it, we had something to discuss, right? We had something mm-hmm. that we could say, I like this idea, but now I should maybe put a handle on it. I should, you know, set up the business model different, but a prototype doesn't necessarily just have to be a physical thing. It could be a business model, could be anything, but prototyping was key to get the buy-in. It's got to be tangible, right? It's got to be tangible that they can actually say, okay, I see what you mean. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, um, you know, prototyping testing, not just the, what it is. So, you know, obviously the engineers were building like the printing machines, right. Um, but what's the experience you want and uh, how are you going to make money off of the ex- experience? And I remember the first prototype that we put together for printing this, these personalized M&Ms was probably the size of a pickup truck. Um, and actually, um, it didn't really matter because nobody could see how big it was because it was behind a wall. When people would come in and place an order in a retail environment, they'd be like, how are you guys doing this? Oh, we just push a button and out pops these printed M&Ms. You tell us what you want to have on it. Isn't it great? And so that's the experience. And you know, they, they couldn't see how big it was. They couldn't see all the gears and motors, and they actually couldn't see the three people that were behind there operating it. And, you know, ultimately that was probably not going to be a viable business. We had to, we had to streamline the actual technology, but at the end of the day, like we were trying to see, Hey, do people really like this idea? And they did. Um, so through several iterations of that prototype, this business became what we know today as the My M&M's business and actually sits not only in digitally online, but it actually also sits in all of our retail locations, uh, you know, overseas in the U.S. Um, and it's something that, you know, has been sort of delighting, you know, people for many years making, um, making celebrations even better and making people feel special. You know, since you've retired from ours now, you're able to experiment and really look at food. You know, what trends have you seen with food that are shaping how we eat tomorrow in the future and what's happening in the food space? One of the things I had a passion around was just business in general. And actually, I think what I realized after I left, um, you know, I worked at one of the best companies in the world and to go out and work for uh, another big consumer goods company, um, probably not in the cards. And I actually got into uh, sort of researching different areas that I was passionate about. And, and honestly, indoor climate control farming was an area that I was passionate about, vertical farming. Um, some companies that I was impressed with were like things like, you know, Arrow Farms, the Bowery, Plenty. These were all businesses and there's tons of them now, right? Um, because this is actually a space that's about food security. It's about sustainability. It's about climate change. It's just about a ton of different things. So, um, so that's how I kind of like founded my business, Bright Greens. And out of that business, I do, you know, I do, um, uh, advising, uh, I do investing and actually I have a couple startups that I'm working on right now, but, um, 
that area impressed me from the point of view of it. It went back to like most, most of my career has been spent on actually taking different raw materials and then formulating a different uh, food product to sell to people to make it more convenient or available or something like that. And actually, I think some of the challenges that the food industry faces are the main ones actually all have to do with like back in the supply chain. Where does the food come from? How is it grown? Is it, is it grown in a way that's going to damage the environment? Is it grown in a way that's going to sustain the environment? Um, and, uh, you know, how much are we actually, you know, keeping? Everybody's heard about food waste, which is not only like, hey, I had a, a dinner out somewhere and I didn't clear my plate. So that's going to waste. You can go way back in like, you know, farming and what we grow and how we ship it. And, you know, it's actually shocking when you look at the numbers of how much food we throw away. When you think about food security and we're doing a lot of, we're doing a lot of work to try to develop alternate protein sources. And there's reasons for that. Um, but I, I kind of like looked at it and I said, Hey, you know, if we could, if we could waste less and actually eat more of what matters to us, you know, nutritionally and everything like that, um, fresh plant material, if you will, then the world would be uh, a better place. So even just by getting rid of the food waste piece, which is also a part of like the, the vertical farming and the indoor wow. farming and hydroponic farming and stuff like this, but also like, you know, there's, there's startups out there, like one in particular, you know, I got exposed to, uh, to through a, uh, a friend of mine who is, a uh, is an operating partner in a private equity firm is Outcast Foods, mm -hmm. which I was impressed with. It's like sort of upcycled nutrition. So taking all the things when you harvest that you would, you know, throw away, um, you know, and, uh, you know, like skin stalks, that kind of thing that still are high in nutrition and actually having them go through uh, a patented process to, to recover them and, and, having instead of them going into the ground and as waste which can cause its own issues with the environment you're actually using it as a nutritious food source to to consume so that's that's an example of not only just taking like and growing food the right way but actually how do you harvest it the right way um which is which is honestly really important well, well this is this has been great hank i really appreciate you joining me uh for the show and uh you know, it really makes you think about the food to eat. And thanks a lot for joining. Absolutely. We'd love to do it again. Thank you for joining our latest episode. We hope our discussion inspired you to keep innovation alive. And if you enjoy the show, please leave us a review. We hope you join us next time.